0: But yeah, the, uh, the reason why the reason why we had to go through all that just now is because the, the last episode we had the game at the wrong, um, the wrong setting. <laughs> we had the game at the wrong setting. So it had a lot of, a lot of, uh, Manhattan, uh, sounds in the background and it also sounded extremely acoustic, um. And so shout out to Kato, uh, him just coming in an eleventh hour and making sure that we were all situated. Cause that was uh that was not a good situation <laughs> for a minute. The first episode the first episode actually um almost didn't make it in the mo- most literal sense. It almost didn't make it. He
1: engineered everything.
0: And he stepped in and engineered everything. So that's what the whole like the whole like moment was about. But, uh... <laughs> uh but yeah, man, um today was a, was one of those days where it was like we let's just do it, let's just let just do a show, let's just do an episode, um, felt like the theme was chaos, how we kind of got here, like you 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 feel like things are a bit a bit chaotic um in your life right now, but and that's not necessarily. Like, chaos isn't inherently bad. Like, it's 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 a process of, you know, transformation. You know, like the four elements, we were speaking about Neoplatonism and how uh, Pierre Grimes you know, described fire, water, and earth and how they aren't elements, but actually processes of transition. The same thing being, you know, uh, converted into a, a different form of itself. So... What is the chaos?
1: Yeah, like what you were saying, it's like it's all about how you want to digest it. You could take it as something that's so many things are happening to you, or you can understand it's like this natural force that's to be reckoned with, and it's necessary for like transformation and evolution. Um, it's a part of it, and everything can be marshmallows and ice cream on Sundays. You exactly. Know, sometimes it's like, damn, we out of we out of your favorite flavor. <laughs> yeah. And um that's okay too. Like for me right now, like I was telling you earlier, like I could just been like, oh everything's cool. hmm Yet, you know, it's a lot of stuff that I'm just unused to Changing in my immediate life, my immediate circle. I got to move out the crib by 31st. My crib's still the same as it is. Like, I don't got to leave by the 31st. I'm waiting on some news, potential news that's been like eating up my subconscious. Um, and at the same time, like, a lot of things are just happening. Well, I fell off my bike. I'm the bike man, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm city bike man, city bike guy. Y'all should die, city bike guy. <laughs> and um, I'd be on the speed demons. I call I call them the Tokyo bikes because mm-hmm. they just, you know, you need Tokyo if you want it. <laughs> you yeah. um, they go really fast. Like it's, I feel like I'm in Paris I'm on those bikes. Everything is just 20 minutes away. Um, those like the silver electric bikes that got introduced to the city on May 6th last year. I remember that because that was the day that I got the rest of my funding for, for Jimmy.
0: And that was the day that we were at Morgan Steen's and yeah. you get the news. And uh-huh. little did I know that you got the news by my former boss at Nike. Yeah. It
1: was Paul. Like, yeah. It's it crazy. Was like, it was Kismic.
0: Um Oh, and then I we also saw each other later on that night in LES, and you pulled up again on the on, silver on bike. The,
1: on, the, on the on the on the Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I pulled up on the Tokyo so, Knightshua. Um <laughs> and yeah, it's like mean, it, it, it chaos. Uh, like right now. Yeah, it just I don't know. Like it, it, it's just it's a natural part of life, and being open to it. Um. Well, yeah. Last last week, I was on the Tokyo bike, and I I I was irresponsible, and I was in a pretty intense like, not like I was in a pretty intense bike accident <clears throat> that forced me to be on off uh, off the bike for roughly a week and my leg to be uh, in a restorative state where I can't do my regular activities. And I'm deeply, sen- deeply sensitive to my senses. Mm-hmm. So kind of being knocked off my equilibrium affected me a lot, it had a huge effect on me. Uh, but we're thankful, fortunate that the accident wasn't, or this chaos in life isn't a deterrent Thankful that I don't see it as a deterrent uh and understand that it's it's like energy you know it's it's some things just to be restored mm-hmm. and it's it's cyclical and um uh chaos doesn't last and things are after chaos is usually a rebirth mm-hmm. as you mentioned it's a form of it's a part of the transformative cycle. So we're grateful for chaos, grateful for for ice cream on Sundays too. Yep. Well, um, just gotta be ready, and learn from what was happening to that chaos because chaos returns. Yeah. Um, you don't know when. Just gotta try to be ready. Yeah,
0: yeah. Chaos is uh, it's an important thing. Um, you know, Roy and I we have these conversations all the time. You know, uh. It's 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 something he put on my radar. Um, was a nexus point. Like that's where I where I got that from. Um, he was like, you know, some people are, um, projectors. Uh, they then you have some people that are manifestors, and you have people that are like generators. So like the projectors usually do well with the not usually they all work well together, but the projector will work with the the, uh, the manifester and his vision. And they help project that to the world and help them get it out, help them do it with ease. The generator is that person that has that nonstop motor, you know, that, that person that, uh, that can, you know, r- literally work from sun up to sun down, um, those type A personalities that are just those workaholics. Um, but the, that, that, it's all in conjunction with the nexus point. And you, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you're dealing with the nexus point right now because you have this this opportunity that we spoke about offline that we won't discuss right now, but you have this opportunity that could be potentially moving you to the other side of the country. And you also have the chaos of the bike accident. You have the chaos of the uprooting of yourself um, in you, the place where you where you where you live, and you're now at a nexus point, and you you're you have to submit to that. You have to, you have to submit to the chaos, so that you allow for enough space for God to enter, because you're you're, you're going you're you're pressing in a in a way, you know, um, by wanting the thing to happen, and that's why it's like bothering you or eating at you in, in a certain type of way. Absolutely. You
1: know, I'm waiting. Yeah, it's. I was talking to. Like my, like a, more than a collab like a deep companion mm-hmm. for me. Name is Ava. We were talking about it today. It's in terms of. Something I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, not expecting, just news is at the very least that I'm expecting or looking forward to that it's seeped into my subconscious. Um. eating at me as I receive a notification. I just hope it's my, It's hope it's an email. Um, But, you know, I, there's so many factors still that are in continuous and that haven't ceased to um, just be relevant to my life. And I've allowed this thing to uh, kind of can over consume other factors into of my life that I've, you know, I kind of ceased the motion there Mm -hmm. where like, I can't expect, anything to kind of flow in into something that's still where I have to uh continue that momentum in those same area facets of my life in order to be receptive to something while I'm like in stride mm-hmm. rather than you know waiting for abundance. I have to still be abundant in certain parts. I'm like I gotta I gotta be moving soon. I gotta take off all the Uh, Books from my shelves. Prioritize where I might be putting stuff into storage. Um, I just have to. Also, my health. Make sure my health is still. Mm -hmm. uh, Up to par. (laughs) Rainbow foods. Eat the rainbow. Kale. (laughs) Shout out kale. Protein. Yeah. Uh. Shout out uh uh, meat substitutes like tofu. Shout out soy. (laughs) soy boys um so yeah just trying to like stay stay focused in that uh because it's it's never in one part of your life you got to keep it at the level at all parts of your life so that you can perform like you know you can um uh you know chaos is going to try you and you got to be receptive to it so that ain't nothing you haven't been through before mm-hmm. and uh, nothing to The magnitude of what you've experienced before, the type of real chaos. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're still blessed. Yep. Just thank God for that. Um, sheesh, chaos could have you like waking up three in the morning, like what? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's all right. But e- even to
0: the degree, well, yeah, because you mentioned that the film, some of the film was oh. compromised in the
1: actual chaos. Yeah, it was crazy. I, so last last week I got to meet with um, uh, Trevor Baldwin. He's the nephew of James Baldwin, mm-hmm. and so the film I'm working on is called Jimmy. It's about uh, it's a film about it's a narrative film about James Baldwin's life that predates his fame when he first moved to Paris from Harlem in the '40s, and on my bike accident at eight in the morning on the Manhattan Bridge, uh, coming from spending the night at the homie crib from watching Snowfall. Uh, <laughs> Shout out Frank Saint. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was clumsy and I, I ended up hitting this older man coming down on the bike, you know, leisurely listening to music and I smashed into him and I felt really bad. I hugged him afterwards. But uh, later that day, I had to meet up with Trevor Baldwin to show him uh, trailers for my film, Jimmy, him and a uh, producer. And I opened up my computer and it just wouldn't turn on. And I was really confused. Well, again, it was chaos. I was like, if it doesn't turn on, it's not going to turn on. So I guess the alternative is that obviously like we're in a studio space, so they have a camera and they have a computer. And there's a huge projector, which is how uh, things are to be shown and displayed to an audience on a large screen rather than on your phone, which is you can't really help these days. But... On a at least a computer projector, so thankfully we got to see it there. But my computer just didn't turn on. And I plugged it into the the wall. Everything was compromised, um, and I was just like, I mean, it was like sheesh, sheesh, la vie. Like <laughs> this is what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully I wasn't. I didn't prepare in the way. Uh, you know, it's nice to be prepared because even when chaos comes, at least you were. You know, you know. Stay ready, so you don't gotta get ready. Mm-hmm. Uh I was I was like seventy five percent readied up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have the twenty-five percent ready because everything is going off my computer. Mm-hmm. But I have those files on Vimeo. I know how to piece it back together. Uh that won't take me, you know, three months to do. Yeah. You know. Um but in I'm I'm amidst the chaos, I can still add I might be able to add things that I haven't shown before in the original cut to this new edit, um, which, you know, I'm I'm really selfish with my edits. It's like, I'll get into this flow and I'll just, it's just a rhythm, like counting the notes from reading music, just <laughs> doom, doom, or having it a, like a, a, a eighth note, <laughs> do-do, do Um So just like, I just, half note, excuse me, and um, I just... Get into this flow where I'm like, I'm not going back mm-hmm. to edit. Like, it was three hours of footage, and I cut it down to an hour and three minutes. Mm. Um, and so, uh, I mean, now I have the opportunity to actually do that unselfishly, uh, to add a little bit more footage, if it makes sense. Yeah. We took so much time trimming off the fat. But the most important part of this is yeah, amongst the chaos, I have time to reflect and a lot of the parts of these trailers I have in the trailer, but I don't actually have in the film. Um, so, and I thought about that before. but I was like, I'm not going in to add that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, you, you've you've helped me coin this years ago when I used to just fudge DMs with questions. It was like you'd just be like, and it's, I used to message you like m- paragraphs of things, like, or like or like it, I, I I used to meet the character count. So, I had to add, like, just like <laughs> copy something in my notes and paste it. So, it looked like I was just like typing forever. Yeah. And then you just be like, it's not formulaic. Yeah. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, I just like, texted like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, it's not formulaic and it, it's it's not. And you just have to be receptive to what it is and understand that there's always room for some growth, even when you're cutting out. You feel like you cut all the fat out. Yeah. Like, Braun got what, like, 90% I got like zero body fat but it's always a little bit to still cut out no matter what cause it's just it's just there you just gotta be open to experimenting therefore like uh so many things are can can be found when you experiment mm-hmm. um a new perspective a mm-hmm. new tone you might already have your voice you feel but it's always a new inflection or a new pitch uh higher frequency yeah um just gotta try uh and you just gotta keep doing, cause endure as we trust. And do as we trust. So, yeah, you know,
0: and, and to that point, you know, first of all, yeah, it's not it's not formulaic like that. It and it wasn't me trying to be coy uh, or you know,
1: you know. No, I'm, it, I, I used to my mother. My mother would always be like, "That's what like she'd be like. That's some that's what like sensei says says to the student. Just <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like you don't you don't gotta say too much. Like I like, just Yeah, it's it's because
0: you know, it, it reminds me of when we did the the community project and, um, and they wanted, they wanted me to do like a masterclass on, you know, how we had so much virality with the phone number right out the gate. And, um, and they were like, where did you pull it from? And I was like, well, I just grew up watching like BET Uncut. And I used to remember Mike Jones's, um, 2813308004 like yeah. i rem- like i'm like okay well i can bring all of these like influences i remember the got milk campaign you know yeah. uh how ubiquitous that was and how it made sense for everybody that they put the the milk mustache on um and it was just a, it was a it was a, a level of play in that that campaign Shout and the yeah and and then also thinking about the utility of putting a phone number to work opposed to just having someone be able to call in and hear a ringtone or leave a message for Mike Jones. And, it's, and so I sell to say, like, when you're pulling from real places like that and you're, you're ignoring the audience, you're, you're actually ignoring the audience. You're only listening to yourself. And then when you release whatever this thing is that resonates with you, once it once you feel like you like it and you would engage with it and you would wear it or you would watch or listen to this record, you then put it out and you just watch what the reaction is, and then you take the feedback from okay, okay, they're responding to this or you know this and the third, and then you just go back and you keep refining the approach and so like your mother said it's it wasn't you know anything um to like. You know, find a fence in, which I know you yeah. didn't. It's just not that's not your personality. But just for you know, people maybe listening. But so it was, it's really not formulaic. It it's it has to be uniquely you in order for it to actually be something new to come to the marketplace. Right. You know, um, it's very very easy to to follow the numbers and actually turn it into a formulaic thing. And that's alg- That's AI. When you think about it, yeah. you're 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 perpetuating singularity at that point because you're allowing for the algorithm and data only, you're removing the, the human element, the hu- human component. you're removing that from the process of elimination, or the creation process itself. So you're perpetuating artificial intelligence by allowing your creative output to be predicated on analytics only. You know, you, you can, to a degree, allow for it to order your steps, but um, I think that you know it has to be a level of human a, a, a human-centric approach if you want to actually connect with human beings. But if you want to go viral, if you want to appease the algorithm, then you can play that game by playing to the the analytics of it all. You know, so um I guess that's so that's a long winded way of saying it's not formulaic, it's not formulaic <laughs> it's not.
1: Yeah. Especially when you're trying to again especially with creating like the, the, the act of doing something, it's it's not posting on Instagram at nine A. M. or uh, you know, like sponsoring something, it's it's really like, again, like it, it, when you're dealing with natural elements, you have to trust your your, your gut mm-hmm. and um, your intuition. Uh, and you know, like I was saying earlier, like this conversation, I knew it was going to be fueled well because we just, you know, I, I can trust my gut because I, I, I eat well, you know, I make sure my gut health is strong. Um how you gonna trust your gut if you don't take care of your gut? <laughs> so it's 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 really important. Yeah. To like if if just do it naturally. The I mean,
0: the gut is the is the first brain. That that's the first brain. Um. There. Uh. I was uh listening to a podcast. I want to say, or it might have been an article I read. Um. And it was talking about the the symptoms of uh, iron defen- a deficiency, and the way that some parents are able to to diagnose that their child has an iron deficient deficiency um is if the teacher may say hey your child is eating dirt or eating crayons or something like that because the the human body is craving what's in the the actual uh matter it's in the soil or what have you right Mm -hmm. and so you know that whole process um that whole process is, is is indicative of what I what I mean when I say the, the gut is literally the first human the first brain for the human, and so you have to take care of it because that's why your immune system you know the biodiversity uh, uh, of your gut, um, the, the gut microbiome I should say your gut microbiome should be very diverse. Uh, you you have the proper things as feeding the good bacteria, and you have the proper things as killing off the bad bacteria. And so therefore your HPA access can be in order, you know, when people have butterflies or whatever, because they're nervous and, um, or you have this intuition in, in the moment of creativity, you know, you feel you have that gut feeling because, you know, maybe something is really resonating with you at your core because your core is intact to such a degree that it can actually operate in the way it needs to operate. So therefore you are in a, place, you're in a state of homeostasis, things that everything is working properly. And then your brain is able to actually process things in a way that can yield high levels of creativity, mm. you know? So it's like the health component is, it's, in, it's baked into it all, you know, it's baked into it, but then you also have those, those crazy creative moments where there's high intoxication, there's euphoria, you know, you can, you can, you can make music to say, you know, you gotta be how to listen to this. Because they are actually tapping into what's happening in at a gut level, yeah. you know, like the 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 amphetamines, the, the 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 codons, and you know all of that. Like you know, it's 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 a music, it's a sound. You're hearing you're you're hearing a sonic representation of what's happening on a on a biological level.
1: Right,
0: <laughs> that's what you're hearing. You're hearing that sonically, and that's beautiful. Because it, it's it's actually it's it's indicative of the connection between the physical and the thing that is intangible, the music, which is, you know, metaphysical, playing with frequencies and things of that nature, right? So um it's a it's a it's a beautiful process. Um I was I was uh I stumbled upon um a Leo, Leonardo da Vinci. One second. Let me just Um, I stumbled upon um, a Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci documentary. I don't even know if you call it a documentary, but like a focus piece uh, on his life. And uh, man, like, I really understand why this, like, the, the why that's considered the Renaissance era and why he's considered Renaissance, man. Like, you know, the reason his work, I feel, connected the way it did is because he actually understood you know, uh, the, the, the anatomy, he actually was dealing with, uh, dead bodies when it was illegal to deal with by the like the state declared that it was illegal to, to deal with, um, uh, decomposing bodies, but because he was an artistic genius, he was given the green light to play around with the human anatomy. And, uh, and so a lot of our first graphs and maps of the human body comes from Leonardo da Vinci's work, and so when you look at the Mona Lisa and things in that nature that he created, you can see the, the 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 level of detail because he really understands the the anatomy of man. And you think about the Vitruvian Man and how you know he squared the circle and how much math is involved with the creative output. And so. Um, you know, I, I don't even I don't even know how that necessarily connects to you know. Well, I guess you can say it connects because the the body we're talking about him, you know, having having an affinity for the human body and being able to translate that into science and art and creativity. You know, uh, he also is a, is credited with providing the first prototypes of the human uh, of the tanks that we use today. He uh, it was based off of a tortoise shell because he again he played with dead bodies and not even I want to say played with it feels so feels like I'm uh reducing what he actually was doing. He he was studying the human body and because he he achieved such uh such success in a high level of like you know uh high level of high level of complexity, he was able to then leverage that into studying uh dead animals. And so uh that's 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 the connection between understanding the body and creativity. I I think at at its highest degree, maybe, you know, just have someone be able to take that and then also be able to engineer literal uh um you know modern technology today have the, the earlier prototypes of modern technology technology today you know uh basing it off of the, the tortoise shell and the actual the the earlier prototypes was wood slabs, steel, and then the strongest men on the inside cranking the wheels with other soldiers sticking out spears on the outer, you know, through mm-hmm. through the holes to the mm-hmm. exterior, mm-hmm. and that was how they would want to move with the with the earlier prototypes of the tank. But it didn't make it into into uh to uh, I guess manu- it didn't make it to the manufacturing stage because it just it wasn't possible. It wasn't usable on the
1: battlefield. Greek Spartans said that, right? Spartans used that. Maybe. Yeah, I remember. Maybe it's like <clears throat> the goal is just to reach as many as people as possible. Um, maybe, well, I can't speak objectively to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're making things, it, it's 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 I guess always a, a pleasure when people can relate to something that you are uh, that. I guess when you make things it's always a pleasure when people uh can find relativity to things that you um you know, for some people making things is takes a certain uh, level of vulnerability. Uh it's 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 a chance for you if you're honest about it, it's a chance for you to take that mask off that you wear every day. Uh, I can only imagine working with dead bodies. Like the like like autonomy of man, just stares you right in the face every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that Mona Lisa. I, I I've I've I haven't seen it in person. Um, probably skipped the line, uh, <laughs> but I, I haven't. Anyway, anyway, I'm just thinking about it. Like I know, like just. Uh, I don't think I can really speak about because I haven't seen it yet. But I, I just know what, what, how people react to it. It's like psychologically, how um, it it's like a Madeline effect almost. Or like it, like it can like strike this uh, strike at a, a memory or feeling so innate to the human that you know. I've heard people talk about how they've shed tears looking at it. It's like uh, it's like like the Madeline effect. I think came from. Uh, which writer was it? Um, I forget. But he talks about the Madeline effect in terms of like it's it, they speak about it in food and like mm. in food culture about when you eat something for the first time and or when you eat something it takes you back to your, your childhood, that like your first like ice cream or mm. your first Madeline that your mother used to make uh whenever you had uh um a teary eyed day. I and mean, she'd make it every Thursday evening. It's something to, to like look forward to or just, again another like f- f- uh sense of uh homeostasis. Um yeah, Da Vinci was I know he also like coined he, he's the reason we have like the double helix staircases mm. um and like the scissors. Uh he's just like super you know, whenever there's like a matter of chaos, there's a way to solve things, and that's how creativity comes in terms of how to solving problems yeah. that are innate in our uh, interior lives, mm-hmm. and how we can take that to the exterior lives to to benefit our lives and those around us. Um, you know, art does this thing when it 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 connects to something that's totally intangible. It's it's it can't even be touched. It's it's of. Uh, I think when it's done appropriately, um, you can strike something like that's just so innate inside of us that can make you like shed a tear because it's it's higher it's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it appropriately, it's your contributions, literally help save like help save lives. Or and that's not like why you do it. You do it because it, it's saving your life, and. It can be this type of reciprocal thing where your your contributions are contributing to the longevity of other people's existence, maybe. It, it it's it's that deep too. Yeah, it is. It's nothing to play with. It's like yeah, yeah. Any form of expression you uh it's shouldn't be taken lightly.
0: Yeah, when you when you think about creativity, it is at a at a, at a foundational level, you know, solving a problem. Um, you know, I have two places. I, I guess I want to take that. You know, um, if you want to, you know, and I'll I'll use the, the Apple example. You know, Steve Jobs and his level of creativity. Him and Johnny Ives and Mark Newsom was also doing, dealing with Apple Watch with Johnny Ives, I believe, but. Like that whole approach, they're trying to solve problems for people creatively using smart tech, smart technology. What I think people think Apple does is make the iPhone cool, or make the MacBook cool. To a certain degree, the aesthetics, you know, you the eye candy of it all. It's it's a thing, right? But they're solving problems for people that they deem are you know, deem cool. You know, like when Dr. Dre first saw the iPod, he was like, someone finally got it right. How to put music, you know, on a device in a way that is pleasing to the, to the creator. So you solve those issues for the people that, you know, you find cool and creative and you want to solve a problem for them. And yeah. then you bring in, the, you know, your level of taste in terms of, you know, the aesthetics of it all, you know, form comes after the function, you know, and, and, you know, because if, if beauty is utility, then, you know, um, arbitrary uh, waste, uh, uh, arbitrariness and waste emotion is hideous. So y- you want to find the utility in, in the, in the idea, in the moment, in the, in the product, that's the beauty of it all. And once you actually do that, then you could come up with something like the scissor, that actually serves a purpose, It'd be, and then you can make you can beautify it. But the fact that it actually is solving problems for humanity and, and being useful, that is the beauty in it all. And like Dostoevsky said, Dostoevsky said, you know, beauty will save the world. And so, you know, creativity and art and all those things is the, it is that deep. It is that serious. It is that serious. Um you know the the philosophies that you know we subscribe to that in that impacts or inspires architecture and the architecture uh mirrors or signifies sig- signals or signifies as well um the 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 habitat that it resides in and so when you think about uh modern designers the, I forget the Japanese guy's name that uh, that made the twin towers, but he also made the first Section Eight, uh, uh housing project in Missouri. Sheesh. And so, the reason why they tapped him for that project is because the policies that were coming into place were modern policies, and they wanted architecture to 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 uh, to echo the the policies that were being put into place, and so the progressives of the, of the late fifties and sixties, Lyndon B. Johnson specifically, he, you know, his administration chose, uh, the Japanese architect because especially as his, his focus was modern design, you know, uh, you know, AKA the original twin towers design in the lower Manhattan. Mm. And so that, uh, that property had a modern design because it was, it it was, Funded by modern social economic policy, and so when you think about art and creativity and philosophy and all those things and how it impacts your day to day life in ways that you aren't even aware of, you have to actually put everything into your output, and it has to be honest. It has to be true. It actually has to be rooted in something real, because it has a, it has ramifications that go far beyond what you think it does. And that's where that whole like Tom Waits quote comes in that, where it's like the way you do anything is the way you do everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you, you know, we, you know, you think about the butterfly effect and what, how you treat the individual in front of you actually impacts several other reactions out in the world. You then take more responsibility, you know, in the way in which you conduct yourself and how you treat people. But you, ha- but that also has to come under a level of humility at the same time. And that humility, for me, comes from my spirituality and knowing that we're all fallible and that we're all equal in the eye of God. And when you think about Leonardo da Vinci in that Renaissance era, it was a lot of that was given reverence to the creation of God, which was the Vitruvian man and things like those type of things like it's rooted in it's rooted in really metaphysical universal spiritual the source the one the good it's it's actually rooted in all of that
1: mm.
0: it's aiming at that it's trying to show the highest version of god's creation that's what it's trying to do mm. and because he was aiming at that that was his aim we now have a lot of beauty in the world. We have a lot of usefulness, a lot of utility in the world. And it goes back to the quote before. If beauty is utility, then waste emotion and arbitrariness is hideous. Mm. And so, yeah, I I, um, I definitely I definitely can see that you're you're pulling from a place of of of, of realness, like it's authentically you. I think that's why we I I I I connected with you in the way you did. I did. Um, You know, we kept running into each other, Uh, and I was like, and I, me and James were we had a meeting in the neighborhood, and I was like, let's kill some time in Blue and Green. Let me see what they got in here. And then lo and behold, you were in there, and I was like, I gotta I gotta see what's up with this kid. And I keep running into him,
1: but you know, um, now it's like for me it was. When it sparked, I sent you the like this paragraph, not like, like this three paragraphs mm-hmm. on the DM, and I saw you the next day on Lafayette Street. Yes, that's you what he uh, was wearing the he was wearing the 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 off white Jordan ones, and, <laughs> you, and you had the Stussy hoodie on. Oh, the Kiko one, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, nah, <laughs> this ain't him, and then that that that's that's what. That's what I remember most. Yeah. That was that was really, it was like too divine. It was really, it was not too, it was, it was really divine. It's not, that's yeah. too divine. It was at a purest level, just really kismic. Yeah, um, Yeah, you're right. Also that quote earlier about the uh, Madeline effect, I was thinking that was Mark Twain. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and I love his, I love his quote, uh, uh. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I believe that was Twain.
1: Shout out Mark Twain.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it 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 really does. It really does. It it doesn't quite repeat itself because we were actually having a conversation offline, and I think this is a great a great segue. Actually, we had a conversation offline uh, talking about the seventies. I want to say I forget what the ca- oh what was. I forget the catalyst to the when we were talking uh, cause, about the seventies because
1: I was at the. Uh... I was at the flea market. I go to the flea market every- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get ice creams on Sundays and I go to the flea market, Chelsea Flea Market on Saturdays. Yeah. And it's this guy, his name's Danny. He a weird dude. Shout out Danny. He gave me 20 bucks every time <laughs> I see him. Um, but he there's this white lady, her name's Janice. Shout out Janice. Shout out Kojo and Allen. We was at the uh Kojo's booth. He he sells, he's a mer- he's a merchant for a vendor for uh, a lot of African uh, sculptures and uh artic artifacts, fabric. Um yeah. And I pulled up wearing some what I'm wearing today, like they, they was like African bombada or whatever. And I got my fro out pick. I got the for those who obviously cannot see me, I got these shades. I got in Mexico City that have it's like tungsten uh Filter as as, as the uh, the lenses. I got a like African print um, oversized shirt. That, it's like three quarter sleeves, and I have like a pink undershirt, long sleeve that has different textures. There's like velour and cotton and suede. Yeah, uh, but it has beautiful prints and uh, just like black trousers with
0: very summer of love.
1: Yeah, summer of love. I'm <laughs> in the '70s. So this this Janice white lady, she married. Shout out Alan and. <laughs> She pulled up on me. She was like, why are you taking me back to the 70s? No, no, she didn't say that. She said, well, they all mentioned that. That was like the information, like the the structure of it. But she most specifically said, you take me back to the protests. I was like, oh, okay. They take me back to the protests and of the 70s. And um, yeah, that's, you know, and yeah. I, I, and you're talking about like family and spirituality and love. You know, I, I, I reference my, my family quite a quite a bit. Um like my mother was born in the seventies. Uh my uncles I'm fortunate enough to have family that prioritize documenting. Um so much, you know, a lot of, you know, African culture, whether it's like Africans who were born in the West or black Americans or whatever, a lot of our history is oral. Um, so, like, I'm really grateful that my families were one of the black American families to document a lot of history of our own. Um, Hella v like, thousands of hours of VHS videotapes and recordings, audio sounds, pictures, Polaroids, film archives, you know, I, and it's really easy for me just to, pull from that history you know it might not repeat itself but it's really close like I have my grandfather's name Yashidai, and he's a big part of who I aspire to be on a daily in terms of morals and uh, how God fearing he was and, uh, you know the structure which he carried his family and maybe even the eye of which people saw him always really honorable Um yeah Shout out seventies, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it the the seventies. Um, sheesh.
0: It, it, it's it, it was like the the quote you know, that kind of brought that back to my mind. The, the Mark Twain uh, quote. Um, I feel like we're kinda in that space again, but it's not quite the same. And it's like you think about you know the film um, Dead Presidents with Laurence Tate. Um, it's it's a great. Depiction of the Black experience coming back from that unpopular Vietnam War. And that's what she was talking about. Right. Like that period of time of like Summer of Love because no one was a fan of that Vietnam War and stuff. Right. And um, it feels like we're back in that period of time with this current administration, an uh, unpopular war. Um, and it's, it's even though it's, un- it's unofficially declared, you know, we have boots on the ground and stuff like that but you have a lot of instability, you know, in the country, uh, economically, um, you have rampant opioid use. Um, it's not coming from heroin as much as, uh, so much as it's coming from, um, you know, fentanyl and things of that nature yeah, and all that type drugs. of stuff. And so, um, you know, but you still have heroin use as well, but you have this level of despair, uh, in society right now with the unpopular war, you know, and, and, the seventies was like trying to rebel against such destruction and such, you know, um, illogical, you know, domestic and foreign policy. And I feel like to a certain degree, we're, we're, we're back in that place, um, of the economic instability, the especially within the black community, rampant drug use, Uh, incompetent president um uh, a flailing economy and you have the artist creating the art that signifies this time even the texture in your work doesn't even feel like it's of today you know um and 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 i think that this that what you're tapping into um It's 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 some. I think it's largely because you're like you're actually tapping into like the the tonality of the world. Like that that's what I kind of feel. I feel like your work is tapped into the tonality of today. You know, you're not so removed from today that you don't know what's going on with the current artists and musicians and all that. But your but your ethos is from another time. Like you're pulling from there that same period of time. That I feel is
1: reminiscent today. Yeah, I find a lot of camaraderie in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, you capture it well. Thank you. I'm I'm really grateful that I, I've I've uh, been blessed with an audience, people who um, can recognize that and relate to that. Me and Cameron, we we saw this film in 2021. Right, Cam? Uh, Summer so fast and. And I was with, by Questlove, and it's it was this film of capturing, behind the scenes capturing uh, the summer of Soulfest, and uh, before it was called Marcus Garvey Park, it was called, uh, I don't remember, but now it's called Marcus Garvey Park, and it was, it's kind of this inaugural concert that prefaced, uh, what's that huge? Uh, concert they'd be having like that, that Jimi Hendrix was that camp was it like, a Woodstock yeah Woodstock okay um but it was in Harlem and it was this festival that really served to de-escalate a lot of tension that was pulling up from the 60s yes yes you know yes. uh like, um Malcolm X was assassinated yep Robert the King was assassinated um JfK uh, JFK was assassinated mm-hmm. um, yeah uh, the uh, you know the state of america uh, byproduct of like this the mental state of black Americans in America was at a breaking point um doesn't that feel like today it does, and music and how you know how some artists you know even during the Vietnam War felt obligated to not speak or they, did, they didn't want their art to reflect the times um some have this innate feeling just to, you know, sometimes just innate. Um, but, you know, things that people are willing to take from inside to the outside can really help uh, people navigate through you know, the troubled times of what they're, we're all living through. In the 60s, were I can't even imagine people talk about even the 90s, you know, you couldn't wear certain things if you were, you know, quote unquote tough guy. Um, if you weren't a quote-unquote tough guy or, you know, just this, the uh, civil politics were so much different. I mean, you were more able, much more welcome to express yourself and, you know, you can't do that as much as you would like to without, you know, being aligned with a certain group or whatever. It's like people don't, your, your words aren't enough for people nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's like, what does your Instagram say? Or, like, people put too much context in things that you aren't saying. Rather than what you're explicitly saying, which is interesting and unfair. Um, and you're right. It's it's. Well, I, I'm not sure. What, no, I, just from what people are saying about the '60s and whatnot, and it's and how you know art, uh, music, helped transfix things and really calm. Maybe it's a delusion. Even it helped. Uh, People put their blinders on to what it really is. Just push, you, put on a good song and have you dance and clap. Um, make you think everything's all right. And again, the war continued. And um, I was telling Cameron the other day, like we, we met some guy. we was at the diner eating. Uh, there was no pork that day. <laughs> it was all. It was all. Um, no, no pork on the. No fork. pork on the fork. We was, was at this diner with the homie Jonathan after coming from the Met. Uh. Lauren Halsey, she has this thing on top of this uh, exhibition on top of the Met with these uh, uh hieroglyphics based on South Central culture. It's crazy, it's crazy. It's like Sphinx with black faces. Um, uh. But there was this guy who came to the diner and he had this like raspy voice. It sounded like he had like Agent Orange was affected him. And I was just explaining to camera, it was like mm. it's a chemical like Americans you know, flooded from plains into the forest because they knew people were there and infected. It was, like, friendly fire as well. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, residual effects that are, you know, from your past that are always just going to be apparent if you don't deal with it accordingly uh, just to kill out the parasite. you got to starve the parasite or find it and eradicate it so that you can probably move forward in anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. Ain't no skipping steps. There's something impressive about it either, so... To, shout, Michael Hey Shout out Michael <laughs> Every time <laughs> six, Shout out 6-5 No back so.
0: Yeah And we, and we went 4-0 oh at Equinox
1: Yeah
0: 4, four no. Oh, so yeah. yeah
1: Shout out 4 and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's Yeah It's Yeah I'm, In terms of things that I I try to make um, Yeah I don't know It's I I am I'm happiest when people who I don't know, I'm 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 not even happy. I'm just always surprised when people have anything to say about it and I'm just grateful uh cuz it's just such a privilege to have an audience. Yeah. And we we all feel like we have something we no, we all have something to contribute to the world that we call it like it's it's an ecosystem. Mhm. Um, and to have an audience is, is is a it's a rare thing, and it's just something to be really grateful for that people can not just recognize, but find a piece of themselves into. Yeah. Especially if, again, if you're sincere and and uh, uh, just being careful about how you. It's, it's it's people. It's like oh, it's just I don't know. I'm just grateful.
0: No, I I think I think. Uh... The level of honesty and the work allows for people to actually authentically connect with you. For sure. And so I think that a lot of people are only comfortable with the facade that they put up. And so, therefore, all of their relationships, by definition, are superficial because it's only a surface level connection. And that's like that lowest common denominator thing. Like we all, like like the, that's like growing up and you're like, oh yeah, I like Jordans. I like Jordans too. Right. You my friend. Right. It's it's like an adult version of that in a sense. Yeah. It's is that is that superficial. And it's like <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: no, <geez. laughs> that's how niggas was doing math. Like, you got, yeah, it's, yeah,
0: it's it's crazy. And it's like, but see, when, once you contextualize it in that way, you you, you get you get the yeah. laugh at it. It's like, it's yeah. like it, it's like why are we like playing this game? Like, like Ralph Lauren? Oh, me too. Yeah. So you my man. the oh, like, sweats? Yeah. We cool now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like it's like like that, that's not like real. That's not a real. That's not real. Right. And it's like right. And Sheesh. when uh-huh. you allow for your actual self to come through in your output, you one feel more conf- confident in the output because you know it's really you. You can articulate it. You can you can stand next to it. You can Promote it confidently. It's, it's it's. We all know as creators what it feels like when you create something that connects with you. Right. You just push it like that. It's like different. And so what you're trying to do is is replicate that over and over again. Like that that moment of like I am satisfied right. to a certain degree because we're never truly satisfied. But you you get the gist of the point. Exactly. And it's like that's, that's what you're aiming for though. You want to, you want to be satisfied with it. And then, you know, because you're satisfied with it, now people will be comparable, comparably, I'm sorry, comparably satisfied with it as well. Right. You know, and well, that's, that's in a more idealistic way goal. of thinking about it, but that is the whole thing of ignoring the audience, watching them react to the work and then taking in the feedback. Right. right. Like that it's that relationship though, is just more so like articulated all the way out. And so, um, but to the point of, of of just the connection and the audience uh, element of it all, it's people feeling like they have an extension of you, and so therefore they do actually know you to a certain degree and can connect with you. So when they see you in person, Dion, Dion spoke to me in this way. Me and my brother used to do a, co- a push up competition too. Right. You know, like it, it, because you're bringing a real part of you into the work. And then now the work itself can bring in those types types of individuals into your life. You just gotta welcome them. You gotta just make the space for them to come in. Yeah. Because they they want to, that's why they're patronizing the work and that's why they're like, you know, engaging with the work. Something in there is saying, This resonates with me. Yeah. You know, and so all they're looking for are moments to actually have a level of connection with you. And then there could be a DM. It could be pulling up to the, the, uh, the outside of the Guggenheim. Um, it can be any of those things. And we, we, we create from that place of authenticity. Then we have that beautiful, like, symbiotic relationship between work and play. Right. And now you just live. You just live. Right. You can just go actually live life and you just meet people because you're just showing up in the world, as they would say, as your authentic
1: self. Right, you know, so it's like a lot of, as I've been noticing, the more I'm, I, I was talking to homie, I'm not sure if I was talking to you the other day, Cameron, about like, like in Chicago, where I spent my, I grew up, I spent my formative years in Chicago, mm-hmm. from like 12 to 19, and I lived out west, that's when d Rose became MVP, Sosa, Chief Keef just came out. And I had just moved to Chicago from Chesapeake, Virginia, and um i, I fit the mold I fit the mold well enough where I wasn't like everybody, but i wasn't I couldn't afford to properly be myself because so much much of my time was spent on uh being hyper alert to what was around me uh because I could have been my life at risk or at hand. Um, and leaving that that environment, being somewhere like here, where I, I interface a lot, but not to that extent at all. Where I ha- I I now have the chance to relinquish, uh, like a point a part of my brain or wherever that's super stimulated in one area. Mm-hmm. Now I can even that out to all my senses. So I'm I'm really grateful that you know I. I'm able to fully express myself like that because there was a point where it was hyper vigilant and just like what's around me, looking at people's handshakes, people are wearing, listening to people are saying, being hyperly emotionally aware uh and like of my surroundings because that was just the environment uh that we were in. So being able to leave that and giving a lot of credit to my mother in terms of, well, everything, uh, but more specifically, allowing me to always be myself. As a kid, I used to talk, and people would be like, "Why you let your kid talk to you like that?" Because it, people just interpret <clears throat> expressing myself. Excuse me, as talking back to my parent, and she's like, "You're not talk. You're not talking back. He, I mean, he's, I'm just expressing myself. I'm grateful for her to allowing allowing that for me. I remember." She's always just talk about uh boxes and whatnot and putting myself in one and never keeping myself in one at a young age at like seven like we're having conversation about that like six seven eight years old um you know, and expression and doing that authentically i think uh yeah i'm i'm just I'm just really. I don't know how like one gets to a certain point because there there isn't one like there isn't any like nexus that you can attribute to how you are today. It's it's you know one thing is responsible for the other, um, and it's not one part of your life that shifts everything. It's but two thousand one, yeah, um, yeah, I think. 2021 was where I was fully able to be fully expressive when I uh, I I was able to be fully expressive um, after my mom died and after my aunt died it was like I really don't got nothing else to I can't lose any like there's nothing that's like Literally, nothing can get worse than this. And those are matriarchs that are fully responsible for who I am as a person, like my like my moral condition. I'm not sure that condition is the word, but from like my moral compass, uh, they they were a compass for me, yeah. And after that, now I remember like. After my aunt died in September, I cut my hair. Hair is really important. I grew up Hebrew Israelite. Hair is really important. Um, Talk about there are a lot of what's what's it called parables um, in the Bible, Mm -hmm. Uh, and one is about Samson, like when he like his all his strength came from God, um, byproduct of his hair on his head. And you know, he leaned too deep into pleasure, and through being seduced by a woman named Delilah, and she cut his hair after they slept together. Um, and he woke up with his hair cut off and all his strength gone. Um, so, like hair, when I cut my hair, it was kind of an oxymoron where everything was flipped upside down. Where I felt more, most empowered when I cut it off. Um, you know, hair is also, you know, like you know, dead weight sometimes, and a lot of emotions, you know, stay in your hair. So it's important to cleanse and you know clean your body, especially during times of grief. Keeping routines, uh, um, keeping routine throughout your life, no matter the state that you're in, so you don't fall into this you know, despair of coping mechanisms or something. can not, It's just keeping things on a level. And when I when I cut my hair, I just felt super empowered. And that year, I, I relinquished a lot of control of self thinking how I had to be in terms of how I thought I wanted to be be perceived where, you know, that year I had to ask for a lot of help in terms of, well, my family, well, I do not even have to say my family cause I'm a part of that. Uh, like it's fun for like my mother in terms of, you know, help with finances when someone passes it can be a financial burden on a family. Uh, and emo- obviously emotional. Um, and then, you know, like Morgan Stearns, they offered to you know d- donate all of the funds for Mother on Mother's Day to fund for my my seven siblings, um, and then for Dome my own, where uh we got the project we projected the film on to different parts of different monuments, national monuments around the city. You know that was the first time I I, I did like a Kickstarter, um where I. GoFundMe just had this taboo for me that I no longer wanted to use because I just associated with, with, with death, like my aunt and my mother. So with the goal, the Kickstarter was really cool because, I mean, I asked for $2,500 to to rent this projector and then to do we-paste things around the city. Um, and we got that support in less than two days. Like twenty five hundred, and it just filled in. I was like, sheesh. I was like, "All right, cool." Um, and then we went to the. I made this website, and I just put the location of where I want people to meet me at certain times. First, I did scouting. Cameron was there when we went to the, the new museum. We just played the film from my phone and just imagining it on the new museum. Uh, and then we we just we just did it, <clears throat> um, through the the expression through like and with like the true expression i think comes with like total relinquishing and surrendering of control of power which you think is to happen think is to what's to happen um even with the with jimmy i had to do a kickstarter um and that came with a lot of preparation of course going to library for like a month every day for about a month and then making a kickstarter for $40,000 um making a video of me in front of, I had to make a little video on my phone talking about what I'm finna t- possibly pursue. Um, and like as a, as a shorty, like you're probably like, oh, that's corny. I'm not finna record myself. Like, I, you gotta kill that negative self-image because like who, for like niggas who's not finna help me out at all, like, you know, like, oh, at least I didn't do that. No, I'm finna record myself, finna prop it up just like this. You know, like when you have most some of the most creative acts come with less resources. Um, like Cameron does self-portraits in his room. He just pops, puts the f- the flash right in front on the top of his camera, and he just you know has a self timer and he creates these beautiful images with himself. Like sometimes, most times, all the resources you're looking for are within you. Um, and sometimes you need to look for help. Some things are uh you know you're capable but there's some resources are you 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 just don't have access to at the time and so with jimmy doing this kickstarter which has a time has a deadline i had 2 months to do to raise $40,000 which started on march 11th and it ended may 6th where we was on the tokyo bikes uh and every day Every day I, I killed the ego. Every day I I didn't have a job. I quit working at community Garcon in December. Um I had some stock money to help pay for rent. Shout out MGM. <laughs> 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 um I uh <laughs> 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 Oh, shout out Quayla <laughs> Um and uh I went out every day with I went out to ATC Images on Allen Street in Delancey to print out posters. Uh shout out uh Teddy Tron, he designed a poster for me for me with a QR code and I went Everywhere with it, I went to Paris with it. I had little baseball cards with the QR code in. It. I gave it to everybody I had. I went. Out, I remember going outside. I didn't make any like f- actual money because I I just I just sacrificed everything. I was like, I'm not gonna. I don't know. I I just felt like that's that's what I needed to do. I had to. I cu- well, I felt like I couldn't afford to be distracted by anything. Everything had to go towards this. I I couldn't. I I just had to be on my dean. I um were like the only income I actually had throughout that time, a two month radius was taking my saxophone outside one day, and someone putting three dollars into my into my horn, and I I almost cried. It was it was I, tears came to eyes at least. Um, but it was just like a little little reassurance can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pouring into others, and I was just I wasn't doing it for funding. I was just going outside practicing my, my my horn um getting my breath control right <laughs> uh and March eleventh through may sixth the last day I had raised seventeen thousand dollars- seventeen thousand six hundred dollars um through the help of you know hundred and twenty hundred and twenty donors hundred and eighteen donors um, we had to raise dollars and that I figured that out as we were doing a fundraiser at Morgan Stern's ice cream. Shout out Nick Morgan Stern, shout out Morgan Stern's every time. <laughs> um and if you had donated twenty bucks to the fund, you got a free cone and I was there. Um and that was then when a really generous donor sent twenty three thousand dollars and like the 30, with thirty hours left of the fund, caps capping it off at 40000 um and completing the fund. And, you know, and then that was beautiful. But, you know, then the job actually started and we went out to go do it. But that all happened from, you know, just, I won't even say sleepless nights because I, I love sleeping. It's important for me. For you. <laughs> but, you know, I wake up every early in the morning and I, I went out to get it um I screamed a lot. Just, ah! <laughs> this whole thing is just pure delirium. Um and it's it's uh it can be hard on the mental, you know, if if you aren't, you know, if you don't have a community of if you don't know how to surrender yourself to people so they can open themselves up to you so that you can pour into each other so that encouragement there's a room there's a lot of room for encouragement and like self-accountability. Um that can help fuel you on these these journeys. And it, it it takes all of you, not a little of you. Can't be half assed. And uh, you gotta every day just put your best foot forward and kill that negative self image of what people might perceive of you to do. I don't I don't care. Like it, they they still gonna be watching a year from now about what you they thought. Well, I'm not gonna say people I'm not also into the business either of thinking like people hating on me or want to see me fall. It's like you don't even pay attention it's to. My, it's not my business to care. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's actually and, like, not. Like we genuine as puppy love. Who, like why would people want to? I don't even like puppies, but you know, like <laughs> using it as, as a cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People understand. <laughs> um, uh, the people really don't like don't like when you don't like dogs. But anyway, <laughs> wow. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's about. Like showing up and at least trying. Yeah. If you don't try, yeah, it's 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 hard, but it ain't meant to be easy ever. And but the the process is not formulaic, but it's you know you gotta get up, yeah, early, and you know you gotta put it on your back, and you know that when you're doing it sincerely and everything, is like also the motto is like it's not, it won't fail because of me. Yeah. Like this it, this. How, how God did. He did. T- he did. So, you know, it's it's been a lot of times, you
0: know, um, where you just don't know how it's going to work out, but it works out. Um, and I think that, you know, with, with this show, you know, that we're doing, um, it's honestly meant to be a glimpse into just a, a real conversation about what's what what's going on because it's not all good uh and it is never all bad um but i think that the ego doesn't allow for people to actually own their losses and because no one is is egoless enough to own a loss then they perpetuate you know the the playbook that was used prior to them because they they have this this perception that it was a 100% a winning playbook it was never uh, uh, an ed in that flow, you know, and so what I what I love to do
1: is like actually own my losses. Yes, that's one thing you told me like early on, and I I, I adopted that until a lot of my everyday addiction like, vernacular. Like, I I I don't like I'm not afraid because like and nothing that like, could be taken away from that. It's like like like. <laughs> You know um different circumstances, you know, but like you were saying, like similar like, i I lived in homeless shelters, like section eight housing, and that isn't anything i'm i'm like, it's not where i i am it's 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 where I'm from, and you know, we have so far to go, yeah, um and it's isn't anything that I like it if it comes up i'm I'm not finna like duck my tail or nothing or even about my mother anymore, I used to like feel weird even talking about her in the present tense mm-hmm. um and i I still do, but like if it comes up, I'm not just feeling like i don't know it's just it's it's like a loss isn't something to be ashamed about or it you it, it happened to you it's it's just it's just a fact
0: yeah, you know
1: um in in a
0: in a s in a certain way in one way we we romanticize struggle and equate struggle with validity of blackness and the validity of your success. Uh, Michael and I had this conversation and I'll save, save the, you know, save a lot of this for when we speak, but you know, it was a portion in the conversation where where we he said to me, he, uh, he said, I would rather be Dale Curry than Steph Curry. And I know you would too. He was like, I would love to be the successful father that creates a situation for my son to be a Steph Curry. But the catalyst to that point he made was me speaking about, you know, uh, the validity of Blackness in conjunction or, or in comparison to the amount of struggle you went through. I don't even talk about that I'm my mother had me when she was 15, you know, Section 8 projects, the whole nine. Um, It was something I actually was ashamed of, and this is this is like it's just like a a segue, you know, from what you just mentioned before about wearing certain things on your sleeve and not being ashamed of it. And um, but to stay on stay on topic, we were speaking about that because it was like you know, Fifty Cent, for example, like his his validity of his success and his blackness was certified because he went through so much trauma. No one ever questions his blackness because he suffered enough. Right. So what does that do on a, on a subconscious level to the psyche of black men in particular? That's where the ego comes in. You can never take a loss because you got to be the man to survive all of the struggle in order to have the validity of your success and the validity of your blackness. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And so... When you think about stuff like that, it kinda it helps you better understand why we trick ourselves out of learning opportunities, which disguise themselves as losses. Right. We we trick ourselves out of those moments mm. because we have men before us that are too prideful and too full of ego to it, to own their losses and say where they had missteps. And then on the other side of it, we relish the the struggle because we feel like it validates the success in the blackness once we actually achieve. Right. And then you have people that are afraid to achieve because they don't want to be known as being smart. And so, like it's so it's so many layered things there that can be unpacked. But I don't want to you know dominate you know the the the, the conversation and go all of those routes, but it's really to make the point of saying, you know, I understand what you mean when you say you were ashamed to, to, to wear some of those things, but that, that level of vulnerability, and I didn't want to stop the whole you know stream of consciousness that you had, like the whole fluid thought, the reason why we have the show I didn't want to stop that because you, you but, but you said something um, earlier, you were talking about how you were, you had, a, you were, you were struggling to, express yourself. And so therefore you watched the details of things a lot. And then when I hear you say that, I've never heard you say that before. You know, In all of the years we've known each other and had conversations over then, I've never heard you actually say that before. And it actually gives me a better understanding why you document everyday life the way you do. Mm -hmm. You're able, because your eye was already trained to see that. It's very reminiscent of Zeke's constant practice. Like he was, t- he was explaining the philosophy behind constant practice and how he can be on, you know, Yahoo Japan and, you know, all of these like, you know, proxy sites and stuff and looking at these very obscure items and these very low pixel images. But because this eye has been trained long enough, he can move fast due to that constant practice of doing it every day, the, the repetition in that he built that m- muscle memory to be able to identify an amazing piece Or subpar piece. That's worth, and and if it's worthy or not to be on constantpractice.com, right? And so when I, when I hear your actual experiences, and this is a a lot, what this is a large part of what the show is about, is to be able to like actually get those moments so that people can see the the through line between a honest experience and and really. Understanding that the things that you're going through, they one day will become an asset. Mm. They will become a, a feature to your to your machine, your machinery. It will become your superpower. Mm-hmm. You have to allow for yourself to to submit to the struggle, to submit to that to that the, the 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 torment that you're going to go through, and understand that there's a level of optimism there at the same time. Not you don't you you shouldn't have to be you know nihilistic um uh and resentful and hardened by these experiences and feel like i need to smite god because of the hand i was dealt right um right and so when you think about like that here hear, like hearing your upbringing and your attention to detail it, it it better helps me appreciate your work in the way you document new york city every day um while well, it makes a lot of sense um, but to put a bow on uh, the whole, like, blackness and, you know, struggle and um, the validity of your success, you know, we have to, in one way, <clears throat> understand that, that the struggle that we're going through due to the natural existence of being, you know, uh, from a disenfranchised community or what have you, that is that shouldn't harden you. That shouldn't make you resentful. That shouldn't turn you into such a such a person that you no longer can can come back out of the abyss. But it also doesn't validate your blackness just because you struggle an immense amount. Right, right. It's it's a it's a proper it's a proper what what the like Pierre Grams says a proper straining and slacking. Mm. So proper straining and slacking,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you have to find the the, like the proper, you know, uh, degree that it needs that muscle needs to be worked or or something needs to be gone to. Um, And again, it goes back to it not being formulaic. I'm not here to give you the 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 the, the, to the the decimeter, you know, what you should do with the left hand and the right hand and how you should turn your face like that's not like what it's about. It's about understanding that there's nuance Mm -hmm. and that when you do go through things that it's actually being done for your highest good and that is baked in with faith and allowing, (laughs) and then also having the humility to allow for something if you don't want to, you know, some people want to call it the universe, the source, the one, the good, beautiful God, allow for that thing to have space to order your steps.
1: Right. Because
0: you're going out on faith right. on your own hero's journey, right. which is also chaotic. Right. Because it's transforming you into a new. It's all, it's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. And so um, it's crazy. We were, we were speaking about a new. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about Kanye's 808s and Hot Break,